Are you born again? That's the question of the day here on Abounding Grace. Your religious experience won't save you. The fact that you're very smart with the Bible won't save you. The fact that you're a leader of others won't save you. I mean, what we would say, what that would look like for us is, just because you're in church doesn't mean you're saved. And just because you read the Bible doesn't mean you're saved. And just because you have a lot of the Bible under your belt, or you were raised in a Christian home, or none of those things, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of God. It won't be something you enjoy. This is amazing grace. Hello and welcome to Abounding Grace. Many of us go through certain periods where we question the meaning of life and what will occur after death. In the Gospel of John, chapter 3, we're introduced to a religious man who definitely had knowledge of Jesus. That knowledge requires a response, but he's not sure what kind. So he comes to Jesus for answers. And that's certainly the right place to go. Let's join Pastor Ed Taylor in John chapter 3 and see what it takes to get to heaven. Take your Bibles, would you open them to John's Gospel chapter 3 as we continue on in our study through the Gospel of John. We're following along the footsteps of Jesus. We're watching how he cared and how he loved and what he said and what he did. And then we left off with him in the temple cleaning house, cleaning his house. The place of prayer had become a place of taking advantage of genuine, sincere men and women wanting to worship God, and Jesus would have none of it. So he formed at the end of chapter 2 a whip of cords, and he put it together and went in and in a very controlled way took care of these religious leaders, money changers, and those that were all involved in taking advantage of the people. He took care of it himself. It was a part of his message. He came to declare the good news that in a right relationship with him, your sins could be forgiven. That in the temporary sacrifices of the old covenant, he came to replace the temporary sacrifice to be the once for all given life in exchange for you and me. And what a joy that is. You know, as a pastor, it's a joy for me too to hear all of the stories that come through your lives. To see how God has not only saved you, but continues to use you. And as you connect the timeless gospel to time, to people in your life. You know, the testimony of how you shared with the police officer recently the gospel after he pulled you over. <laughs> and you're like, yeah, yeah, my, I know I made a mistake and I know, but, but I am so focused on bringing Jesus to people's lives that even... With the lights flashing behind me, I love and care for those that are out taking care of my city and keeping the streets safe. I love to hear how you connect the gospel with people that you work with. You invite them to church. It wasn't too long ago that I had someone come up to me after service and share that they're in service. They were in service that day because their daughter's friend invited her to church and she decided to come with her daughter. And just things that 
you are connecting people with God. Look him in the eye. And I would encourage you to do this if you haven't made this a regular part of your life. Look him in the eye and say, do you know that there's a God in heaven that loves you? Do you know that? There's such great burdens and hopelessness in the world. And, and often that is connected with a fellowship family where not only do you know there's a God in heaven that loves you, but there's a church family. No matter what you've learned about church, what experience you've had with church, you should come to church with me. You should check this church out. You, you should turn the dial to this radio station and you'll learn about the God that loves you. It's one of the privileges of being a pastor is hearing all those stories, whether you share them with me or email them to me. And we come to one of those times where now in chapter 3, Jesus is connecting the gospel to a man by the name of Nicodemus. Nicodemus, no doubt, was watching what was happening in the temple, being a religious ruler himself. Pick up with me in verse 1 of chapter 3. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. Now, if you like to write in your Bibles, you can circle that word Pharisee and you could write next to it religious ruler. This was a very highly dedicated, conservative, religious ruler of the day. You'll often find throughout the Gospels the Pharisees spoken of in a negative tone because they had gone over the top in hypocrisy and taken advantage of the people. But the Pharisees didn't start out that way and not every Pharisee went that far. A Pharisee would be a group of people. It's describing a group of people that were very dedicated to the Word of God, very dedicated to teaching the Word of God, and very dedicated to pulling themselves out of the defilement of the world. It's unfortunate that they went too far. And not every Pharisee was bad, as we learn with Nicodemus. So this man, his name is Nicodemus. He comes in verse 2 to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you're a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So he comes to Jesus by night. Now I've titled this message, You Must Be Born Again, but I could have titled it, Nick at Night. <laughs> but I didn't. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night with some questions. There are things on his heart. He sees what he sees and he hears what he hears and he comes to the conclusion, this man is sent from God. This is Messiah, the promised Savior. And he comes to Jesus to find out if it's true. First, let me say that I'm thankful that Nicodemus came to Jesus. Because in him coming to Jesus, we learn that you can bring any of your questions to God. He is not offended in any question that you might bring to learn more about him. You can jot it down in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. God himself, speaking through Isaiah, says, Come, let us reason together. God has an answer for you. He has an answer to that issue that's heavy on your heart. He has an answer for that question that you've been stirring around in your mind. So I'm thankful that Nicodemus came because we learn that through his coming... Well, God, he'll answer your questions. But not only that, it's because of Nicodemus' desire to know Jesus that we have some of the most wonderful, memorable truths in all of the Bible. Verse 3 of chapter 3, when Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Jesus said that to Nicodemus. John chapter 3, verse 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. You know who Jesus said that to? Nicodemus. Why? Because Nicodemus came with a question. 
So we notice right away in verse 2 that this man came to Jesus by night. A lot of commentators and people make a big deal about Nicodemus coming at night. As if he was afraid and it was a coward. I think it was a very brave thing for him to do to come to Jesus at all. And the reason I believe he came to Jesus, Jesus at night was a couple of reasons. Number one, Nicodemus was a Pharisee. He was very busy at work during the day. And remember, there's a lot of people coming to town for the Passover. So there's a lot of work to do. And so he's busy during the day, as was Jesus. It would be a little hard to come to Jesus while he's turning the money changer tables and the animals are, rah, rah, rah. hey, Jesus, I got a few questions. Just a minute. I'm not done. You know, wait. It was, it was convenient for him. And it was also a little bit cooler and calmer at night as people had gone and went to bed and things were calming down a bit. It was a great time to come. Most of the things in the Bible are pretty simple. It's not a comp. Why did Nicodemus come at night? Because Jesus was available. It's just like we learned at the wedding. Why did Jesus go to this wedding? He was invited. That's why he went. Why does Nicodemus come at night? Because he was available. Jesus was available and had one-on-one time. It was from God as his appointment, as there are many appointments for you. And he came with these questions. Now, I have to say that there are questions that seek to get an answer when it comes to the things of God. People have a lot of... You may have come here today, invited by a friend, or you're listening out on the radio, or watching online, or you're getting this CD at a later time or something, and the MP3's on your, on your iPod, and you, you've got genuine, real questions that you're genuinely seeking an answer to, and God will give you that answer. You can trust Him for that. But I've also met people, and I'm sure you have as well, that come with questions that aren't seeking an answer, they're seeking a fight. And they answer and they ask the question in such a way where they're trying to goad you and dig on you and get you to bite the hook. You need to learn how not to bite the hook when people aren't looking for a real answer. You need to learn discernment and patience of the Holy Spirit. Because just the fact that they want to talk about spiritual things, they may not be in a point yet to receive an answer. They want to fight. Don't fight. I know as a new believer, I did a lot of arguing with people. I, went, I would go looking for the arguments myself. I would be, you know, if you were a cold or you were, you know, you had, I, I, was, I, was, I was such an arguer as an unbeliever. I thought surely there was the ministry of arguing in the Bible somewhere. I hadn't found it yet. But this is what happened. I argued with a lot of people and lost a lot of opportunities to share the love of Jesus with them. I won the argument, lost the soul. You want to be very careful with questions, even if they ask one, even if a question is asked to you that, you know, somebody's picking a fight with you spiritually, it would do well for you to learn how to sidestep that, not take it personal, and try to get to the heart of the matter of why they're even talking about the things of God to begin with. Learning how to sow seeds of the gospel into their life. Jesus was a master at that. Although I don't see Nicodemus here picking a fight, I do see Jesus getting to the root of the issue. So Nicodemus comes in verse 2, and he says, Rabbi, we know you're a teacher come from God. No one can do these things unless you, unless God is with them. I mean, I I hear you, and I see you, and and you must be from God. And here's Jesus' answer in verse 3. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Now the answer must have shocked him. This wasn't what he was talking about. He was talking about Jesus. Man, there's something special about you. 
Are you the promised one is really what he's asking. And Jesus' answer completely goes in another direction. It's almost like Jesus says this. Do you want to talk about the kingdom of God, Nicodemus? Are you really interested in who I am and where I've come from? Understand this. Unless a man is born again, you won't even see the kingdom of God. And you go, whoa. Born again. And Nicodemus, you could tell he's in the physical realm because he immediately does what probably you and I would have done. How can I be born again? How can I, look how, how can I go back into my mother's womb and come right back out? I don't, that doesn't make sense to me. And there Jesus has his attention. There Jesus is going to get and already has gotten to the root of the issue. I'm always encouraged watching Jesus talk with people because you'll notice something very quickly with him. He has a way of getting to the heart of the matter. He's really good at it. God is to getting to the heart of matter in your life and mine. It's what we seek to do here with what might be termed biblical counseling. I I like to refer to it as biblical discipleship, but I understand the word. And if you're going to receive counsel from from us, from the pastoral team here or the leadership here, then you're going to receive counseling God's way. We're going to take you through the Bible and we're going to help you understand your situation from the scriptures so you can be a better, more mature follower of Jesus. And one of the things we're shooting for One of the things we're praying about, even silently while you're talking, we're asking God, give us understanding. Help me understand what they're saying. Help me understand what I hear. Make me a good listener, God. Because I know what I'm listening to is not the heart of the matter. God, help me get to the heart of the matter. That's the help that you and I need. But it's not often the help that you and I want. What Let's say you finally come to the place where you call the office and you go, we need help. Uh, You know, maybe a marriage situation. I just can't take it anymore. You know, he won't stop yelling at me and now he's throwing things and and I just can't take, I'm done. And then through the conversation, we'll take you to the place. Will you guys come in and talk? Can you ask him? You know, wait till he calms down and then ask him. You know, first of all, if you're in danger, get out. But if you're all right and it's just like he's just mad, hey, when he's ready, ask him if he'll come in and just talk. Then you'll call back. Yeah, he'll come in. So you make an appointment. And I know that the spouse, you know, you you come in and and really all you want is, would you just tell him to be nice to me? Stop yelling. What's he doing? I love him. We met. But man, tell him to be nice. His problem is being, he needs to be nice to me. And, And as we're navigating through the discussion, that really never comes up because we're looking for, you see, the reason you called was the symptom, not the issue. It's just the symptom. It's a bad symptom. It's a horrible symptom. But it's just the symptom. It's just a part of what's going on. It's not the root of what's going on. And what we're shooting for is for the root. We need to find the root because if we just deal with the symptoms, you're going to be back and it's going to be worse. You see, there's a, a humble repentance that needs to take place. And, and one, of the things that, one of the things that's really difficult in a, in a time with a couple is that there'll be times where, yeah, maybe the issue that got you in was the husband, but then attention gets turned to you and we start talking to you and you go, whoa, 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 wait a minute. This isn't about me. You remember the phone call? Do you remember what I said? So I said, well, yeah, we remember what you said and I think we've taken care of that, but now we're talking about some things in your heart and you go, I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like this. But it's what God has for you. And it's predictable. So if you've never sat down with biblical counseling or biblical discipleship, it is predictable that when we get to the heart of the matter, it's going to be painful. It's going to pierce you. That's why a lot of people don't like biblical counseling because it's a very piercing, exist- it, it's a very piercing event in your life. 
You go, Ed, what do you mean by that? Turn your Bibles over to Hebrews chapter 4 and let me show you. Whenever we take the Bible in hand to use it as a tool to get to the root of the matter like Jesus does in his life, there'll be a piercing, a revelation of things in your heart that you didn't know were there. You didn't know that this was part of the problem. You didn't know where, what this has done to you or you, something that God had for you to reveal. Notice with me Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. A familiar passage, but consider it in light of, well, like Jesus here. Jesus is piercing to the heart of Nicodemus, as he should. Because the issue isn't, he's a ra- you know, rabbi come from God and no one can do these signs. It, that's not the issue. The issue is, Nicodemus, are you born again? Because if you're not born again, your religious experience won't save you. The fact that you're very smart with the Bible won't save you. The fact that you're a leader of others won't save you. I mean, what we would say, that, what that would look like for us is, just because you're in church doesn't mean you're saved. And just because you read the Bible doesn't mean you're saved. And just because you have a lot of the Bible under your belt, or you were raised in a Christian home, or you, you, none of those things, unless you're born again, you won't see the kingdom of God. It won't be something you enjoy. And, and here's what the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Notice, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, joint and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. And so while the symptoms of issues come up and grab our attention, what God is looking for, certainly, certainly, the solution for that situation is for that husband to stop yelling for sure. I mean, that's it. That's one part piece. You know, he's got a problem with anger. And perhaps it's a problem with walking in the spirit. Because of the flesh, one of the works of the flesh is losing control. And so that lack of walking in the spirit could have a lot to do with their own personal devo life or their own personal prayer life or whether they have a real relationship with the Lord that they're cultivating, that they're taking care of. It's like this little plant that I bought. I, I'm not a planter, gardener, nothing, but we were out with Marie. We must have done a thousand trips to Lowe's for all the plants and everything she wanted. Literally a thousand. I counted. I'm just kidding. And I decided to get a plant. I just wanted a little plant. I got a little jalapeno plant. Me and Caitlin named it, and we were going we were gonna to put it in another pot, which I haven't done yet, but it's still in that little pot that I bought on the thing next to the sink. And I always forget to water it. And take care of it. So we'll wake up, you know, and finally we'll see it and it's all down and sad and crying and wondering. Like, Dad, Dad, Caitlin would say, Dad, you're going to lose the plant. I even forgot the name. See how much I care about my plant? I don't even remember the name. And I'll tell you, though, when I take care of it, it does what it's supposed to do. And when I put water in it, it's amazing. It just livens up. It hasn't given me anything yet because it's probably mad. But it just livens up. I don't take care of it. It shrivels. It's a lot like your spiritual life. And when your spiritual life shrivels, you find that there's a lot of negativity and a lot of sinful junk that will fill the void. That's the root of the issue. If we get to the root of the issue, then we can help you not only with this situation, but ones that are coming up. Yeah, the word of God pierces. And that's what Jesus is doing with Nicodemus. He's going right to the heart. It's awesome. And he uses that phrase back in John now in verse 3, born again. I don't know if you've noticed, but that phrase has kind of lost its oomph in our society today. It's lost its meaning. I mean, people are using it for all kinds of stuff. 
They'll go up to the mountains and go, oh, I've had this born-again experience on the mountaintop. And it's not, they're not talking about anything that has to do with God. They just saw a beautiful sunset or whatever. Or, you know, I was born again chewing those leaves, man. I felt so good. I chewed some bark and some leaves. And, you know, I had this born-again experience after watching a movie. But that, that's not what the phrase means. It, it, it is very narrowly defined by Jesus. And being born again means that God will radically change a person's life from the inside as they turn their life away from their sinful past and accept the forgiveness that's only available through Jesus Christ. That's all that born again means. Very narrow. It's the new spiritual birth in a human being when they place their faith in Jesus Christ, repenting and turning away from their sins. It's funny sometimes because as you're talking to people and they sense a a zeal in your life or a desire, you're always reading your Bible, you're always praying. They'll they'll try to kind of make fun of you and say, oh, you're not one of those born-againers, are you? And you're like, yeah, I am. You know why? Because there is no other kind of Christian but a born-again Christian. There is no other kind. Well, how can you say that, Ed? Because Jesus says it. Unless you were born again, you will not see the kingdom of God. Not only true for Nicodemus, but for us, too. An important truth to ponder over as we close out today's Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor. And you can hear this message again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Well, Pastor Ed, maybe like Nicodemus, someone listening right now is religious but needs to be born again and wants to. Would you lead them in a prayer to do that as we close? I'd love to. And if you're listening right now and you're at that point where you recognize that you've sinned against a holy and a righteous God, and that you realize that God sent his only begotten son, Jesus Christ, to live for you, to die for you, and to rise again from the dead, he is alive right now, and you desire to be in relationship with your creator, I want to help you do that. Because the provision, the availability of forgiveness of your sin, the removal of shame and guilt— is yours right now. If you ask God, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you can pray to God right now. You can say, Father, I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins through the blood of Jesus Christ, your only son, whom you sent to die for me. And I dedicate my life to following you from this day forward. And I'm asking you to help me turn away from my sinful past. I renounce it and I repent from it. And I ask you to invite me, God, receive me and take me into your family as your own child in Jesus' name. Amen. Welcome to the family of God. And the Lord is with you. A prayer doesn't save you. A radio broadcast doesn't save you. But God himself, he saves you through the blood of Jesus Christ. And there's info on our website calvaryco.church, calvaryco.church, right there on the Know God tab. And we invite you to get it. Let us know you responded, and we'll encourage you and pray for you in the Lord. Friend, if you just made that commitment, please let us know so we can pray for you and help you. You can email us at our website, aboundinggraceradio.com. 
Hey, thank you for remembering Abounding Grace in your giving to the Lord. Every gift that comes in goes right to ministry. It plays an important role in helping us bring the truths of God's Word to the radio every day. And when you support the ministry today with a gift of $25 or more, we'll say thanks by sending you Pastor Chuck Smith's very popular book, Love the More Excellent Way. We toss the word around rather casually. We say we love pizza, we love our dog, and we love our spouse. Hopefully not in that order. But what is love? It would serve us well to look into this and receive God's perspective. And love, the more excellent way, gives that to us. You'll walk away with a greater understanding of the beautiful depth of God's love for us and develop a deeper understanding of God's heart for us. To order it today, call 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Or make a request online at calvaryco.store. Again, that's calvaryco.store. And if you'd like to make a donation to the ministry and not interested in the book, you can donate safely and securely at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Glad to have you with us for today's broadcast. We look forward to continuing the journey through John next time on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. In the meantime, let's be drawing on God's abounding grace for daily living. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.